welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 891. It can't quite decide if it wants to storm, he said as he set his apron on the bar, carefully removing the tomatoes. But if it makes up its mind, we're in for a wagon tipper tonight. He began to hum absentmindedly while he cut and arranged everything on a broad wooden platter. The door of the waystone opened, and a sudden gust of wind made the lamplight flicker. Two soldiers came in, hunched against the weather, their swords sticking out like tails behind them. Dark spatters of rain spotted the fabric of their blue and white tabards. They dropped their heavy packs, and the shorter of the two pressed his shoulder to the door, forcing it closed against the wind. God's teeth, said the taller one, straightening his clothes. It's a bad night to be caught in the open. He was bald on top with a thick black beard that was flat as a spade. He looked at Quoth. Oh boy, he said cheerfully. We were glad to see your light. Run and fetch the owner, would you? We need to have a word with him. Quoth picked his apron up off the bar and ducked his head into it. That would be me, he said, clearing his throat as he tied the strings around his waist. He ran his hands through his tousled hair, smoothing it down. The bearded soldier peered at him, then shrugged. Fair enough. Any chance of us getting a spot of dinner? The innkeeper gestured to the empty room. It didn't seem worth putting the kettle on tonight, he said, but we've got what you see here. The two soldiers strode to the bar. The blonde one ran his hands through his curly hair, shaking a few drops of rain out of it. This town looks deader than ditchwater, he said. We didn't see a single light but this. Long harvest day, the innkeeper said, and there's a wake tonight at one of the nearby farms. The four of us are probably the only folk in town right now. He rubbed his hands together briskly. Can I interest you fine folk in a drink to take off the chill? He brought out a bottle of wine and sat it on the bar with a solid, satisfying sound. Well, that's a difficulty, the blonde soldier said with a bit of an embarrassed smile. I dearly love a drink, but my friend and I just took the king's coin. He reached into his pocket and brought out a bright gold coin. This is all the money I have on me. I don't suppose you have enough to break a whole royal, would you? I'm stuck with mine, too, the bearded soldier groused. Most money I've ever had, but it don't spend well in a lump. Most of the towns we've been through could barely make change for hay, Penny. He chuckled at his own joke. I should be able to help you out with that, the innkeeper said easily. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Joanna. I'm Nick. Continuing yesterday's trend, Quoth is feeling himself. He calls it a wagon tipper, which is very much what a row would call a storm. Oh, come on. You don't agree? No, no, I do agree. I want to expand, but I want you to finish your thought first. Okay, and then when the soldiers come in, they see him as like a young, like the the apprentice, right? They mm-hmm. go, you boy, where's your boss? Other people have described him as seeming older, right? So he's clearly like visibly younger, visibly more vibrant. I almost wonder if Bast said to them, okay, you're going to, you know, the innkeeper who I want you to rough up is like, you know, an, an older, slow fellow, right? And they see him and they're like, okay, where's the innkeeper? You know, it's clearly not you. And then he goes, oh, it's me. And they go, oh, all right, fine. That's crackpot. But I definitely think that we're meant to take that like Quoth is really feeling good. He's really like close to Quoth. And for me, him calling it a wagon tipper is like, mask is off. That's that's what the Ruh say when they talk about a storm, which is very charming to me. So I have two things that I kind of want to build off of here. I think in terms of his youth, I actually think what happens is the more he starts to feel like himself, the younger he is. And I think that we've had scenes before in the frame of people looking at Quoth and going, oh, you're actually like a young guy. I thought you were older at first, but 
now that I've like spent a minute looking at you or talking to you, you're actually like really, really more like you're in your twenties. Do you mean literally? Like the more he feels like himself, the younger he literally is. Jury's out on that one. Jury's out on that one. But he certainly feels younger. Related to that, you're right. Like Cloth is way more like he's having a good time. He's humming to himself. Something we should be paying attention to in a world in like this frame narrative where, of course, there is no music. My my take on it, based on this last couple of pages, is that. When he is fully present in the moment that he's living in, when he is focused on the everyday tasks, the simple things that that are satisfying and bring one joy, when he is unalienated from his labor as an innkeeper, when he's simply enjoying, you know, fetching the tomatoes and bringing up the olives and like thinking about what he's going to make for dinner, when he's not preoccupied with the weighty matters of the Chandrian and his lost love and, you know, the Lothani then paradoxically, when he's not thinking about those things, he is actually closer to his true self. He is closer to the naming state. He's closer to the Lathani. And that's why he feels so much more alive and animated. He's like, when he's not using his left brain, you know, when he's not thinking too hard, when he's just allowing himself to be and take simple joy from the things that he does take simple joy from, that actually brings him closer to himself. Is that coherent? Is that making sense? Yes. The wind makes an appearance on this page and it also makes an appearance earlier that I didn't note, but I definitely thought about and then totally forgot about by the time we had finished the page. It was the the, the page when we did the beginning of the chapter. Uh, Bast, as he's leaving, it says... When he opened it, the wind gusted around him, swirling his hair wildly. So that's Bast leaving. And then when these guys come in, there is also lots of wind because the guy's like pushing it out. And maybe it's just the storm, but also it's wind. So, you know, wind. Yeah, well, maybe the wind is trying to warn Quoth that he's in danger. You know, maybe. maybe the wind was trying to warrant like chase these soldier guys off yeah certainly there's some pathetic fallacy even if it's not literally mm-hmm. the wind certainly the weather being bad important mm-hmm. you know the storm is brewing right yeah it's, it's a it's a dark and stormy night folks what is that called when like the weather matches the mood pathetic pathetic fallacy, fallacy. oh it is pathetic fallacy okay yeah the dark night of the soul and then of course these soldiers are they're just as menacing as the bandits were even though they're being perfectly nice, just like the bandits were. I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about how like in the medieval world, anytime soldiers showed up in your town, you knew it was going to be a bad time, whether or not they were like on your side, like technically if like they were your king's soldiers, like soldiers showing up in your town is always a bad sign because they are just going to steal everything that's not nailed down. They're going to, you know, sexually or otherwise assault anyone who they feel like assaulting they're going to like be like a plague of locusts in your town uh it's just always a bad sign so maybe that's just like the mindset that i'm in just the simple fact of them being in town is like setting my teeth on edge yeah well i mean we know what's coming but i think that's partially you know the storm them coming in and they're also the questions they ask are seemingly innocuous but i think of these as being extremely professional bandits because they're asking these questions when they're really saying is, are we alone in this? Yeah. Is anyone going to come and bother us? Yeah. Is this everyone who's in the inn? Is there also anyone in the, the town? Also the money question. Who... Yeah. The money question is really is how much money do you have on hand? Can you make change Can for two royals? Two which royals? Means, which means do you have at least two royals worth of coin on you? I mean, maybe I'll be proved wrong by the narrative later, but I don't actually think they are professional bandits. They are 
freelancing. They're soldiers. They've taken the king's coin. They've got a royal each. Yeah, well, you know, as you as you say, Jeremy, there's little difference between professional soldiers and professional bandits. Yeah, I just want to clarify that, like, this is a situation where Bast has found two guys who have freshly taken the king's coin. Is like, hey, you want to make some extra money uh, on your way to the front? Beat up this guy for me, and I'll pay you X. It's not like he hired some bandits and dressed them up like soldiers. No, no, these people are what they seem to be. But I think you're right that, like, as soldiers, there's almost no difference between a soldier and a bandit in this mm. time and place. Yeah. And as was true in, in history. It seems to be less true in the Four Corners because they've taken the king's coin and, and received pay. But in the medieval world, often soldiers, like, did not get get like a salary. And if they did, their pay was often like months or years late. So the expectation was your compensation comes in the form of plunder. When we take a town uh, or we go through a place, you can like, you know, you can take the rings off the dead men. You can steal anything that's not nailed down and it's yours. And also true of the friendly towns they move through. Exactly. That's forage. Yeah. That's what forage is. Exactly. Quoth's last line, like the, the, the dialogue tag, the innkeeper said easily, is kind of ironic because literally on the turn of the page, the whole scene turns because the turn of the page is the guy's going, okay, well, now that we've established that you have money and that you're alone, we are in fact here to beat you up and rob you. Yeah. <laughs> One funny, uh, funny, interesting thing here is that uh, Quoth is referred to as Quoth until he puts the apron on. And, from and then he's the innkeeper. Yes. That is an interesting and I think deeply intentional bit of prose. And he like transforms by wearing the costume. Nobody cared who I was till I put on the apron. Till I put on the apron. <laughs> Speaking of uh, other podcasts, this letter from Patrick Not Rothfuss is titled Page 877 Fear. Hi, Pagers. I recently discovered a podcast called Ologies, in which the host interviews a scientist every week about their field of study. I have found this podcast fascinating and have been slowly working my way through their back catalog. On this page, we encounter the men of Levenshire and discover they are angry and aggressive toward Quoth. Their actions and your subsequent discussion of them reminded me of an episode of Ologies. In the Fearology episode, they discuss how some scientists believe there are only four base emotions. Happy, sad, afraid slash surprised, and angry slash disgusted. One of the main points of the episode is that in the Western world, we are not taught properly how to deal with fear. Due to the various societal pressures and the inability to properly deal with fear, men tend to get angry when they are afraid. Insert fear leads to anger bit here. One of the main sources for fear is feeling inadequate, and it is obvious why these men may feel that way. I think the most unrealistic part of this scene is that all the men are cowed after Quoth breaks Jason's arm. It seems like sudden violence would only escalate the situation, not diffuse it. I also think that while Jason may have deserved it, breaking his arm is not of the Lethany, and Vashit would be disappointed that Quoth lost control. I think she probably would have been fine with a beating that did not do lasting harm. Quoth doesn't seem to think about it this way. He feels a little bad about breaking the arm, but doesn't seem to think he did wrong. I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Thanks. Signed, Patrick Notrothus. Um, Interesting that they remark that like Vashit would have been okay with a beating that doesn't do lasting harm, but the break is clean. He clean broke that arm, which means that it will heal relatively well. So it's not lasting harm. It's still more severe. And he has to like treat it properly. It's definitely more severe than a, a beating with a sock with a potato in a sock, you know? Yeah. I like, I feel like even a clean break, like that arm is still going to ache when the weather changes, you know, it's never going to be quite right again. I think that's a really astute observation and Quoth does it without even thinking about it. Right. He does it before he knows he's done it. 
He did it out of anger. So he is perfectly illustrating the 8M prejudice that men have too much anger that they can't control. And this also speaks to what I was pointing out where that I feel like Foth feels like he's empowered with the Lathani to like mete out his own version of justice without kind of critiquing it. And that doesn't happen on the page necessarily, but I think this, you could make an argument that this is related, that Foth is going like, I did this and I thought it was right. And therefore it was of the Lathani because that's why I think it's right. You know, it's a little bit circular. I think the risk of the Lathani is that it can, it might be circular. I disagree only because the only time he thinks about the Lathani after so far after he's left Ademra is when he's thinking about whether or not killing all those bandits was of the Lathani, right? He doesn't think about the, and like he kind of concludes to himself that it wasn't, uh, which is why he kind of, he's still feeling kind of unsure about it and questioning about it and guilty about it up until when he talks to old Gran, who gives him kind of a different justification for no, that was actually the right thing to do. And she's also the one who basically, he also feels bad about breaking the guy's arm and says as much to Gran. And then she goes, no, that was also the right thing to do. He's had that coming for a while. Yeah. Some folk need their arm broke. Some folk need killing. I I, I do tend to think though, that in, in, you know, real uh, psychology, this would have escalated the situation because it's us versus yes. them. Like he may be, he may be a prick, but he's our prick. And I do think that it, it's ultimately counterintuitive to the message that I think Rothfuss is trying to send because it is, and we talked about this a fair bit, so we don't need to relitigate it, but I think that it is like, an, it is another example of toxic, toxic masculinity where like he, he behaves properly and masculinely by wreaking righteous by wreaking violence. violence. Yeah. Righteous violence, like in the right way for the right reasons instead of for misguided reasons. It's not a critique of, of toxic masculinity, despite kind of, uh, presenting itself that way. I also think that it's still possible that that moment would have turned more violent, except that shortly after he does it, the mayor shows up, right? And and the mayor as kind of like the authority figure in the town, I think kind of tamps down what otherwise might have become like a, a scene of mob violence. Maybe. In the text, uh, it's sort of like, that this breaks the tension that everyone kind of goes, okay, this was actually right. This kid did deserve it. And now we're on like that. That seems to me, seems to be the moment of like, or weirdly that seems to be the moment where they get on side. I guess the idea being that like Jason overstepped. Well, I, I think they, mm, that's not exactly how I, how I read it. Like looking at the sequence of events. I feel like there's a cool down period that occurs after Quoth leaves when he goes to see Gran. And we don't see that cool down period because we're with Quoth at the time. And there's a lot that probably happens there that changes their attitudes for when he comes back. What happens is he breaks the guy's arm and then he kind of blubbers and apologizes to L. And there's like a moment where the, the men in the town all look kind of embarrassed because he is sort of speaking for them for a little bit. But I think that there's still a possibility that it would have swung the other way. But the mayor shows up in the immediate next paragraph. Right. And then I think you're right, Jordana, that because it's not really germane to the rest of the story, we don't see how the men of the town process their feelings after Quoth takes Jason to see Graham. Indeed. I like being right. Don't we all? Good thing that we're all always right on this podcast all the time. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a thing. And we'll continue to be right on tomorrow's, on tomorrow's page. Page of the, the win. win.